Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. your Bible and you wanted to read along, you would turn to the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, and beginning with the first verse, and you would find the writer making these comments. We usually think about the disciples as not having a sense of humor. I usually think of John as being one that had a sense of humor more than the others. But you look at Luke here, look at the one who has written uh, these words that we recognize as being the Word of God. And see that he has written, now this is something that's already happened, and he's looking back on it, and, and now he, this is the account that he gives. And I see something here very unusual, but a great point and message that you and I need today. And this is the way it goes. About this time here, the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. The very night when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and two centuries before the door, guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side, woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hand. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your mantle around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and immediately the angel left him. And Peter came to himself and said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angels and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Lord, help us to understand what you're trying to tell us this morning. The verse of scripture that I would have you to keep in mind as we think together this morning is simply where the angel told Peter, finding him asleep, and after waking him up, saying to him, now put your shoes on, put your shoes on. I don't suppose that we've had a greater number of women upon the face of this earth since the day of the caveman, today that going without shoes on. If you would go visit with me and you go into the average home, maybe not this time of the year so much, but certainly during the spring, summer, and fall, you go into the home, and perhaps 75% up, a little lady in the house will be walking around with her shoes on. 
Soon as she sees it's the preacher, she says, will you excuse me till I go and put my shoes on? And then she usually goes and puts her shoes on, and she shouldn't have, because I can't tell the difference. She comes out, and a little strap across one toe, and she thinks that is uh, sort of taking care of the situation completely and totally. But you know, we have shoes for everything. It's amazing to me uh, what we have shoes for. You, you name it, then we've got a shoe for it. If it's uh, early morning, we have a shoe for that, middle of day, night, and, and so forth. We have shoes to jog in, and shoes to uh, run in, and shoes to play football in, and shoes to play softball in, and shoes to play tennis in, and the whole, you know, you name it. We've got a, got a shoe for it. In fact, you can look at one's feet and almost tell you what they're going to do for the day. I remember so very well being in the service. I can see that counter right now. You know, it's up this high, and they sent me over to a bunch of us, about a hundred of us, over to draw our clothes. And so we went over, and they threw up on the counter the biggest boots that I've ever seen in my life. And I said to one of the guys, well, what in the world is that thing called? And I knew it was shoes. And he says, buddy, I want to tell you something. Those are combat boots, and you're going to find out what they're all about. Well, I found out what they're all about. But you name it. And we sort of got a shoe for that. I remember an old uncle of mine passed away not too long ago. Well, he wasn't exactly the black sheep, but he wasn't the white one either, somewhere in between. And I remember well, most of his family gone, nephews and nieces left around. His uh, niece that took over the situation wanted to see old uncle done up properly. And so she decided that she was going to put shoes on him. You know, they've got shoes for you when you pass away. Yeah, they've got shoes. You can have them. In the car, I was riding with Paul Bears and that uh, nephew of the old uncle, as I was, said something about this niece and said what she'd done. He thought it was a strange situation. He said, what kind of shoes was it? And someone spoke up and said, well, I suppose they were satin or some kind of cloth shoes. He says, well, she always was dumb. She should have put asbestos ones on it. Well, you name it, and we've got a shoe for it. Now, here we are. This is the most interesting scripture that you want to find in the Bible. It's not only has a meaning in it that is so profound that I am still trying to understand what this man is trying to say to us. But I can see the sense of humor also that is caught up in this situation. Now, if it was shoes for some particular group, the older ones would think it's for the younger ones, the younger ones think it's for the older ones, and so wound up and none of us would be wearing a shoe. But wouldn't it be wonderful, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing and that if there were shoes for the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were shoes for church people, for committed Christians, dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, look to him not only as Savior, but recognize him as Lord of their life today. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I got a strange call. You know, not everything that could happen to a Methodist preacher, I think, has happened to me. Even a busted leg and some other things. Anyway, I remember a fellow calling me, and he was really uptight, and not to tell he hadn't been to Sunday school for a while because he was using some language I didn't recognize in Sunday school on the telephone. And he says, I want you to help my wife get some religion. I said, well, that's a good thing. I agree with that. I said, why don't you come to church and, and bring her to church and maybe to help both of you because I knew he needed two. He says, well, he says, I've got all I want. He says, but my friend down at work said his wife got religion. He said, now she's fixing his lunch. And she just turned into a good wife. He says, I want my wife to do that, and I think if she'd get some religion, it'd help her too. <laughs> well, it didn't quite work out that way. But anyhow, 
come to the place, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a way that we could recognize that here's a person that has really been with the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a movement some time ago that started within our society. And it just swept the country. And that was this movement of do-it-yourself. We were doing everything from patty holes to building rooms onto a house and to building the house, fixing the attic. I had a privilege to be with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for a long while, but I had the privilege to be his minister years ago. And went over to see him at Christmas time because he invited a bunch of us over to reminisce about days gone by. And he entertained us down in his basement. And I tell you, it's the most beautiful basement I've ever been in. And the thing that really astounded me was that this young man did it himself in his wife. And I tell you, it was absolutely beautiful. It was just the lighting and the paint, the woodwork, and the paneling on the wall was done in such a way. It was just absolutely beautiful. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If this movement, it, it seemed it came right up to the church door and stopped. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this movement had penetrated the church? And whatever we see that needs to be done around the church, that instead of calling somebody and telling them it needs to be done, that we would accept the responsibility to see that it's done. Now instead of thinking that we can hire someone to do everything for us, that we would see that we have a responsibility to God and inasmuch as we're able to see the need, it might be that God's telling us to get on with the business and to see that it's done. Now consider with me the state of Peter. This is so interesting. Peter was in prison. And he had been there a long while. Now notice how close God cuts things. You know, the writer tells us Peter had been locked up for quite a while. And uh, he was going to be brought out after the Passover. The very night before he was supposed to be brought out to the people, Lord, that's cutting it off close. The very night before, he was supposed to be taken before the people. Now, you got to understand there's a pretty critical situation. Uh, that the old Herod had already killed one of God's children. And so he said, well, now, I'll go to the Hiram totem pole. Let's get old Peter and throw him in prison. That delighted the people. Now we're going to bring him out after it's over. And it's going to be expedient for me to see that they kill him as well. You can almost tell what the verdict was going to be. You see, you know, it was a, it was a pretty critical situation. So... Here old Herod was, trying to make hay while the sun was shining with the people, and here Peter was in prison. Now the situation begins to be real uncanny. In a sense, Peter's world was on fire. And he was either oblivious to the situation or stupid one, or he had an absolute and total faith in God. I'll leave it to you to decide what the writer's trying to say at this point. He had such a faith in God that he was at ease in the situation. But I would remind Peter and us that if he was satisfied with his situation, that he was in prison. Oh, it was a nice enough place. There he could get his rest. He had probably three meals a day. And he had company of a sort. Now, the average prisoner was only chained to one person. But I want you to notice that this was no common prisoner. This is a very unusual one. So they want to make dead sure that he didn't get away. And notice to what length the writer goes to tell us about the impossible situation. Well, this situation says that he was chained to two soldiers, one on one side and one on the other side. And both hands were chained, one to one soldier and one to the other. And so he had company of a sort to live there, living in the fashion, I suppose. Now you look at the situation. Peter, 
regarding the situation, my friend, you're still in prison. Or maybe he came to the place where he figured there was absolutely no hope. None. There was just none. There was just none. A friend of mine called me on the telephone this past week and told me about a family that I've known 10 years ago that had troubles and difficulties, a young person in the family had blown their mind out, taking drugs and drinking alcohol, and had spent most of his time sitting in a chair and rocking all day long. And the mother got to the place where she couldn't handle the situation more and tried to have her son committed to the hospital. And, and then they had the test and decided that it couldn't be. And so the young man wanted to come home. Now he's not a young man anymore. The mother said, no, you can't come back home. Said, you can't cope with the situation. Said, you're a man now and you need to make your own way. And so the son said, well, will you give me bus fare? So she gave him bus fare, and he went downtown, went out on one of the bridges and jumped off, and hit the sidewalk, and wound up in a very critical condition in the, in the hospital. Did Peter come to a place where he looked at the situation that he was in, the guard, two locked doors, 12 soldiers guarding him, and looked at the situation and said it's a hopeless situation. It's not going to be even trying. It's an impossibility. And here the angel found him asleep. Well, we shouldn't be so surprised at that. It's not hard to believe. I've been a Methodist preacher long enough to know. Again, I've been with people in all kinds of critical, difficult situations. And I've known them make all kinds of promises and pledges to God. And if he would deliver them, that they would do this and they would do the other. There's nothing wrong with that. Pledging God what you'll do. The only thing wrong with it is that they're not following through with it. And not being the person that you ought to be as soon as the crisis is over. You sort of turn over and go back to sleep until the next one comes along. I talked to a friend this past week. He joined church 30 years ago. It's only two or three months ago that... Uh, I discovered that the Lord Jesus Christ was truly my Savior and Lord and really made my commitment to Him. Until like for the first time I'm really living. Well, I think what that layman was trying to say, that he had been asleep 30 years within the church. It may have not been anything wrong 30 years ago when he said yes to the Lord, but he said yes to Him and immediately went to sleep. And for some reason or another, the Lord got a hold of him again and he wakes up to the fact that he has a destiny with the Lord. And so now he's awake. Well, found him asleep. And it took some doing to get Peter awake. Now here again, Luke goes to a great deal of trouble, I think, to make a point. And notice what he does not say. He did not say that the angel went into the prison and then where Peter was all locked up and chained and found him stretched out there on the floor, sleeping between these two guards and whispered to him, Peter, wake up come to deliver you. And Luke doesn't say that the angel went over and shook to Peter gently and said, Peter, wake up. I'm here to get you out of prison. The only place within the scripture that I know that this happened. And it says that the angel struck Peter. I think Luke was trying to be kind here a little bit. I think really what happened, the angel walked over and saw such a disgusting situation and saw Peter was asleep and not staying awake, hauled off and kicked him. So he struck him. That's interesting. 
It's interesting to know that Peter knew that he was struck by the angel. He knew that he had been hit by the angel. What if Peter was some of us had been struck in such a way that some of us do? Difficulty and hardship, and then we're delivered, and we turn over and go back to sleep. We make God all kinds of promises and forget it immediately. Or what if he had attributed to this being hit by the angel and said that the devil had hit him? Oh, that's smart. What did I do to deserve that? Rather, in this situation, not what he had done, but it was what he was leaving undone. Sometimes we as Christians are so quick to attribute to the devil what the Lord is trying to do to get a hold of us. I remember that place within the Old Testament, Balaam. How could we ever forget that scene? Here old Balaam was headed in the wrong direction to do something that God didn't want him to do, and God told him not to do it to start with. But he proceeded right on down the line that God hadn't spoken to him, something like we do, why just the way we do. And there he was riding his old donkey down the road. And there the old donkey turned aside and crushed his foot up against the rock, and Balaam had some choice words for that old donkey, and he looked down the road and saw the angel standing there with a drawn sword. You know what the angel said to Balaam? He said, if that beast you're riding hadn't turned aside, he said, you've been dead now. I would kill you. You mean to tell me an angel of the Lord will say that to us? My friend says to Balaam, that's all I know. He's troubled. Crises that come to us. And we feel so sorry for ourselves. Why, oh, why did this happen to me? It just might be the only way the good Lord can get a hold of us. Turn us around. To make us think, to put us on the road where we ought to be. Well, he kicked old old Peter sleeping away there and says, Get up and put your shoes on. Now, notice something too, the work of the Lord. A helpless, hopeless situation. Yeah, twelve guards, two locked doors, and four guards on three hour shifts guarding him at all times. One at each door. And two that he had to sleep between. If it's an impossible situation, my friend, that's it. Have you ever felt that way about the church? Impossible situation. When you think about the magnitude of our call, when you think about what responsibility that God has given to us for this community to reach the unchurched, to reach those that he's talking to, and they don't know yet that it's the Lord talking to them, but he's called us to witness to them. When you think about the responsibility that we have as a church to this community, it swamps my soul. When I think about the budget of this church, it's not a big one, big for us, over $110,000. Well, that's about $3,000 more than we did last year, not much. But when I think about it, I think, oh, Lord, can we do it? We did it last year impossible situation we have an impossible situation and I want you to know dear ones you take hope it's always been so with God's people he will take care of the doors he'll take care of the chains he'll take care of the walls he'll take care of the Red Sea he took care of the walls of Jericho he took care of the fiery furnace he took care of Pilate he took care of the cross. He took care of death. He took care of the Lord Jesus Christ. An impossible situation, but not with God. And that's what this man said. Oh, not with God, with man. That is so. Now, in the last place, you notice something here. The work of Peter. This is the point that this man, I know it is. I read this, I know tell how many, how many years have I read this scripture? 
And you know it as I do. You can know the story. You can tell it better than I can. But how many times did I read it to never really pick up the point that this man was trying to make until here of late? And notice what this man is trying to drive home to us in a sharp, positive way. Now, Peter had an impossible situation. You see what he's really trying to say? That there is a work of God. Now, friend, there's some things that God's not going to do. He is not going to save you unless you ask him. He will not do it. It is something that you have to take a lead in, in a sense. He speaks to your heart, and then if you don't honor what he says to you in your heart and respond to him, he is not going to save you. Now, another thing God's not going to do, there are many things, and I don't know about it. It's unique to you in your life. But there are certain things that he's not going to do for you. Isn't it interesting to note that he did all the impossibilities for Peter? It would have been just as easy for the angel to, to have said, Zap, Peter, your shoes are on. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. He said, Peter, put your shoes on. I'll take care of the impossibility. But there's some things that I will not do for you. The key to the situation is not the angel, not the locked doors, not the sleeping guards. The key to the situation is that the man is trying to say to us that there's a responsibility that you and I have. And it's a key in the total situation. The power of God will not be released until we respond. It wasn't until Peter began to make a move that the chains fell off. Notice it. Some of the things that we're called to do are so simple when we say, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's not who with that. How can the power of God be released to us unless we respond to him? We do not believe in the total depravity of man. We believe that there is a God that loves us and has provided for us, but we believe that there is a response that man must make to God, and if it's not made to him, it's nothing that God's going to do about it. Whether you be an individual, or whether we be the church that bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder what would have happened. If Peter had used some of the miserable excuses that we used, well, I'm too tired. We'll break our rest for anything. To play ball, to go fishing, to go partying. We won't break our rest for the church. We're doing the things of the Lord. No need for me to do that. It's a helpless situation, hopeless situation. Or we wind up just saying, I really don't have the kind of shoes that you're talking about, right? There's a line of an old scripture that's so beautiful and so pointed. And it's right. And the line of that scripture goes, All of God's children, all of God's children have shoes. All of God's children have shoes. And dear ones, if we don't put them on, God's not going to. He will provide them. What is it within your life that you've been neglecting? What is it that you've been putting on? The little thing. My friend, it may be the key to your total life. Don't neglect it. Don't wait upon it. In the citadel of your heart where God speaks to you, the little things you take care of. Because in this fashion, dear one, you have the possibility of releasing the power of God in such a way 
that it's going to do for you exactly what it did for old people. You're going to be astounded. Lord, I don't believe this. He got out of the street. I had a dream. I don't believe it. And if you read the rest of that chapter, you'd find that when he went over to the house where the church was praying for him, now they was praying, they was in prayer, praying that he'd be released, knocked on the door, little girl came to the door. And she couldn't believe it was Peter. You know, she was praying for him. He didn't believe it either. See what I'm trying to say? See what this man's trying to say? That there will be a power release within our community, within your life, within mine, within the church. That will stand you that amaze us. The power of the living God. Released when you put your shoes on. Oh, our Father. Help us then to respond as we are called so that the church can be what it ought to be for the African of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 